0: We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, his power and demonstration of the same. And love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation the power that any believer is able to wield is dependent on the believer's strength of understanding of who god is hallelujah glory to jesus amen so this morning i want us to move you know to phase two and the phase two is actually to learn about the passions you know of christ when i say the passions of christ i'm not talking about what it went through on the cross I'm simply making a reference to what Jesus' life, you know, what Jesus' life was about while he was on the face of the earth. What Jesus' life was about while he was on the face of the earth. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So we've established that Jesus is the Son of God. We've established that Jesus is God. We've established that Jesus is the Word. We've established that Jesus is the I Am of God we've established that Jesus is a yes and amen of God. Last week, we established that Jesus is Yahweh. And until you, a true, uh, you know, New Testament believer, reckons that Jesus is actually the Jehovah who left his throne and walked on the face of the earth, you cannot make the most of your Christian walk. So Jesus isn't, you know, a mere being conceived of a virgin Mary, You know, and brought forth. No, he's not a regular being. No, he was God. God himself, in his glory, in his power, in his honor, in his majesty, left his throne and walked the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Just for one reason, you know, to die for the sins of man. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. And I explained to us, People say Jesus is the son of God, just as the Bible says. You need to have deeper understanding to fully understand, you know, what that simply means. Jesus as the son of God simply means God in human flesh. God in human form. It's as simple as that. So then if Jesus is God, then who is the father? Then who is the Holy Spirit? Okay, so the father is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Hallelujah, glory to God. Did you hear me? The Father is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So let's take a look about some of the things that Jesus' life you know, was about while he was on the face of the earth. I know that for some of us who are, you know, who were born into, you know, Christian homes or who've been going to church all our lives, a teaching like this may want to sound like a refresher. But even if it were a refresher, it's a necessary refresher such that every day of your life, you are conscious of the God that you serve. When you reckon with the weight of the God that you serve, you will deliver, you will get more results, you will produce more results. You will no longer have need to be running from pillar to post. You will never have need for any of all those things anymore. So, what were some of those things you know that he did or that his life was about while he was on earth? His passion. I've divided this into two broad parts. Number one, I call it his passion to save. And the other part I call that is passion to heal and deliver. For the purpose of this teaching this morning, we'll just make our focus. Okay, thank you again for this. This is good. Thank you. Please celebrate, Brother O'Ken, for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You see, sometimes you need to be here and understand the effect of not sounding the way you should sound. I know sometimes it beefs me, you know, he knows I have good voice, so he tweaks all his systems to make me sound quirky. Hallelujah. But my God is greater than him. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So his passion to save and his passion to heal and to deliver. So this morning, let's take a look at his passion to save. I had established over the course of this teaching jesus did not come enough fundamentally to you know to give you money he did not come to give you a job he did not come for any of all those things he came fundamentally to save you to redeem your life to reconcile you to the father he came such that your eyes may be open you know to those things that have been freely made available for you in christ jesus he came such that you can have direct access to the Father. Do you know there are people who consult medium before they can speak to their God? But because of Christ and because of the indwelling presence of His Spirit, we actually, as New Testament believers, actually carries God on our inside. In you I told you this morning, meaning that you've got no need to go consult anybody, you know, to have koinonia to have intimacy or to speak to god is actually on your inside that's the reason why many times even the silent thought of your heart he hears them and that's why sometimes before you are as you're thinking of certain things you've not said it out boy he swung into action you know and he has answered bible speaking says while they are yet speaking say i will hear and i will answer them hallelujah glory to jesus So his passion to save. Again, in Acts 10, verse 38 that we read, the Bible says that he went about doing good. That was his passion, church. He went about doing good, healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. How God anointed him. He went about doing good, healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. And that which Jesus was doing, he wasn't doing them just for the sake of doing them. If you go into the Old Testament, you'll find, you would realize that it had actually been prophesied, you know, that those are the things he was going to be doing. Take a look, for example, Luke chapter number 4, verse number 18. Luke chapter number 4, verse number 18. Luke chapter number 4, verse number 18. Bible says that Jesus was presented, you know, with the book, you know, to scripture to read. And he opened and he began to read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that was Jesus' passion. He went about doing good, healing all of them who were oppressed of the devil. So his primary, fundamental passion was actually that of the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news was actually to preach, you know, deliverance to the people such that they can know that he is God. And they can begin to walk in the light of the reality of things that he has made available for them. That was Jesus' life. That was what his life was all about. So if that was Jesus' passion, then he beholds us who have been named by the name of the Lord to making sure that we make Jesus' passion our own passion too. Amen. He went about doing good, healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good, healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus' life was primarily about the advancement of the Father's business, church. It was about the advancement of the business of the father it was about establishing the kingdom of the lord on earth bible says after god had created heaven and earth and created the people bible says god took a look at you know the things that he had created bible says and god was sorry that he ever made man then he wiped out man from the face of the earth there to be a flood, only Noah, Noah's sons and their wives and animals, you know, were able to get into the ark. Every other person perished. In those days, to tell you how serious it was, for man to be able to call upon the name of the Lord or to have anything from the Lord, man must be righteous. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Man must be what? Man must be Righteous then righteousness was by works righteousness then you know was working you know piously. righteousness then was you know um, being kind righteousness then was obeying the laws of the law that was righteousness in those days but right now that's not what righteousness is righteousness in this age in this new testament age is you accepting the lordship of jesus having faith in the lord jesus that is truly god i'm going to get there very shortly so that was his life that was his life he went about doing good healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil bible says for god was within if that was jesus's passion and you are Jesus' son, Jesus' daughter, then doing good should be your own passion to. Celebrate Jesus. So that means that for everyone who is named by the name of the Lord, evil should not be found around you. There should be no intent or thought of evil, of hatred, of anger, of 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 whatever that is ungodly, you know, against in your mind, against you know, your fellow human being. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. These days it's so bad that sometimes it's even so very hard, you know, to dis, to distinguish, you know, those who've accepted the lordship of Jesus and those who have not. That's how bad things have gotten. Such that sometimes some people do some things and uh, they claim to be named by the name of the Lord, then you go pfft, says is a Christian. Now that should then tell you that even to the world the moment you are named by the name of the Lord or you carry the toga of a Christian, there are certain level of expectations the world has of us. I don't know if that makes sense to us. So that is the reason why the people get disappointed when certain people who are named by the name of the Lord, you know, do some things that are seemingly not right. If someone else who is not identified as a Christian does that, they will choose to let it slide. But you, who is a Christian, you go do that, then you see they will use sledgehammer on you. Why? Because the world also has expectations for each and every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian. Jesus' passion was the Father's business. Jesus' life was about doing good. He went everywhere. He went everywhere. As many of them that I saw, next week, Sunday, you'll learn more about, you know, some of the healings and the miracles that he performed, the deliverances he did. There was no one who encountered him who did not have a new song. None. None. That was Jesus' life. If we are named by the name of the Lord, if we are Christians, if we are believers, if we believe he died, he rose again, then that should also be our lives. See, listen, you know, during the course of this teaching, I've been telling us why some believers, some claim to be saved, right? But yet, they're not producing the fruit of salvation. It's not because they're not saved. That's the reason why someone would accept the Lordship of Jesus all right, and even you know, be filled with the Holy Ghost, yet sometimes still finds themselves, you know, vibing to Rihanna. Follow me now. That's why someone will be saved, tongue speaking, yet still being engaged or involved, you know, in pornography, in masturbation, in all of all these things. You know the reason why it is because the mind is not being renewed. I've told us and taught us as a church, you see, salvation or the the, the confessions of your mouth and acceptance of of, of the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior is just one step off. There are so many other things to do. The consistent one that every believer must always do is the renewal of the mind. You see, and that mind must be continually renewed. Such that every morning when your eyes are open and you wake up, you are consistently asking yourself, Lord, am I still pleasing you? Amen. Lord, am I still pleasing you? Lord, am I still living my life according to your will? This should be the desire of everyone who's accepted the Lordship of Jesus. That per second of our lives, you know, we are checking and checkmitting ourselves and asking, Lord, Am I still in your will? Am I doing the right things? And if for any reason the Lord opens your eyes then saying that, oh no, you, you, you did this to this person, that was not right. You used this language of this person, that was not right. You did this one, that was not right. You are quick to go on your knees or whatever posture you want to take and plead for forgiveness of sins. But as believers, we cannot afford to live our lives you know, like the people of the world why because in christ jesus we actually no longer own our lives we actually know our lives you know actually no longer belongs to us and this was what jesus was doing if you take a look for example luke chapter number two verses 41 to 50 let me read that luke chapter number two 41 to 50 luke chapter number two verses 41 to 50 you'll see what happened to jesus when his parents began to look for him. See, what happened to him when his parents began to look for him? Bible says his parents went, you know, to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, picture a 12-year-old boy. Picture a 12-year-old boy. Some of them, you know, um, who, the kids, you know, who uh, ministered here this morning, some of them are around that age. Meaning that at the age of the children that we saw here, that was how old Jesus was at that time. Bible says, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it so they went out, let's say for example they came for festival of grace and the guy was in the temple with them and when it was time to go home he chose not to go home take a look at it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a days journey and sought him among relatives and acquaintances, look at it. so when they did not find him they returned to Jerusalem seeking him they were looking for Jesus they had thought he was missing now, so it was that after three days, they found him where? In the temple. They found him where? In the temple. This is one of the reasons why, you know, for someone like me, it's tough to believe. You know, people who claim to be indeed believers, Christians, yet have no appetite to being in God's house. Nothing should keep a believer, a genuine believer, on his bed or a bed on a Sunday morning. Nothing. Except, of course, you're physically indisposed. But, you know, this idea of from Saturday, we begin to think, um, should I go to church tomorrow or should I not? Mm, I'll, just, I'll just watch online. No, that's not God's desire. The one who saved you, the one who died for you, the one whose name by which you were named, did not live his life that way. Bible says he was found in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions both listening to them and asking them questions 47 says and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers give me the next verse so when they saw him they were amazed and his mother said to him this is where I'm going son why have you done this to us look your father and high I sought you anxiously 49 and he said to them that was jesus said to his spirit why did you seek me did you not know that i must be about my father's business why did you seek me why are you looking for me when i'm not found where you can't see me i'm about the father's business because why that was his passion that was fundamentally what his life was about. Can we say same of ourselves? Can friends, for some of us who are friends right now, can friends know that if they go to your house right now, they will not find you there because you will be in church. Not just coming to church for the sake of just making attendance, but coming to church because of the essence of the faith called Christianity. The joy of fellowshipping with all the believers, seeing your fellow brothers and sisters. That's what we are talking about. Shouldn't you know that I'm going to be about my father's business? Why were you seeking for me? In John chapter number 3, verse number 16, that's a scripture many of us know very well, you know, and we quote, quote most often right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But how many of us have really taken our time to really think through that scripture very deeply? The 16th chapter of the book of Mark from verse number 15, Jesus speaking to the people saying, now go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. The one who does not believe shall be condemned. For how many of us, can you give me that Mark 16, 15, please? For how many of us, you know, do the reality of this word, of this, of, this, of this verse of the scripture, you know, really hit home? How many of us? Take a look at this screen. And it said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news. That's the gospel. To every creature of the whole human race. Give me the next one, 16. From 16, 17, he then began to explain, the one that believes, you know, and is baptized shall be saved. Give me 16 now. Amen. 16, he who believes, who are to, and trusts in, and relies on the gospel. Amen. And relies on the gospel, and him whom it set forth, and is baptized so it's not just about you believing and you know relying on the gospel you must believe in the one who has been sent forth which is jesus and is baptized to be saved from the penalty of eternal death But he who does not believe who does not adhere to and trust in and rely on the gospel and him whom it sets forth will be condemned do you know what that means that simply means that for all of us, including me, every friend that we have, including neighbor, colleagues at work, family members, associate, and all of those, anyone who has not openly confessed the Lordship of Jesus, if they die, they're going to hell fire. You see, the reality of this does not hit many of us most times. It means that see, when people die, people mourn. Right? People mourn, people cry, people wail. For the one who died without the acceptance of the Lordship of Jesus, that person is still going to die again. That's what the Bible calls the second death. But does it really hit each and every one of us? Do we really know that? That on the street, on the road, our work, our neighbors, those ones who, are not, who have not accepted the Lordship of Jesus, they have not confessed Jesus as their Lord, that if they died, they're going to hell. Think about it, church. Think about it for a second. That reality does not hit many of us because if it does, we will spend every day of our lives on the go and preaching this Jesus, this gospel, you know, to people and asking them to confess and accept the lordship of Jesus. This is actually the reason why in in Christendom, when a believer dies, we don't mourn. Because that person has just been translated, you know, into a place better than the place which we are. But don't we all have neighbors? I have neighbors who are not saved. How do I know they are not saved? I know they're not saved. I had colleagues at work who were not saved. Around us, there are people, tons of people who are not saved. As a matter of fact, some of you under the sound of my voice right now, you've never openly confessed Jesus as your Lord. See, and this was what Jesus' life was about that your eyes may be open, that you may know that there is a hereafter, that you may know that where He is going by the time you will die, there is a place for you there too. That is the mystery of the Christian world. That when a believer dies, that is not the end. It's actually a beginning. That believer has just begun to live. Because now, that person would be in a place where there is no death, where there is no pain, where there is no sorrow, where there is no money, where there is no sickness, where there is no disease, where there is no lack, where there is no shame. This is why I always teach on the renewal of the mind. So even those who were named by the name of the Lord, You are consistently asking yourself, how can I become a better Christian? How can I become more like Jesus? How can I live my life in a manner worthy of this one who saved me and who died for me? That should be what should be, you know, on the mind of everyone who is named by the name of the Lord. So if this is ingrained in you, you will be very careful before you pick offense. You will be able to sense offense from far off. Certain things you would want to do, but for the sake of the one who has saved you, who shed his blood for you, you say, no, I'll choose to let this slide. That's how a believer becomes better. By finding a Bible teaching, Bible believing, Holy Spirit filled ministry and being a part of. By consistently following up, you know, with the teachings of the gospel. By consistently belonging to a local assembly where you'd submit yourself. And let yourself be taught that's how a believer grows by submitting yourself to discipleship that's how a believer goes, grows so does that occur to us because this was what Jesus's life was about the account of Jesus's birth death rather you know according to John taught us that Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he declared, now all power and authority in heaven and on earth, they've been given to me. Then he gave the same power and authority unto us, and then said, go into the world, and preach this gospel to every creature. Kingdom influencers, I need you to take a pause and think about John three sixteen again. Many times we've corrosted it so much that it has become so colloquial, you know, to us for God so loved the world please display 10 KGV that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life simple scripture this is also the reason why that the distinction between a believer's life and a non-believer's life must be crystal clear. This is what church should be about. Teaching and preaching of the gospel. Reminding you every time the power that is available in you. Let me show you something something else. Give me Romans chapter number 10 from verse number 1. Amen. I hope someone is getting blessed. Romans chapter number 10 from verse number 1. Let's see that. Maybe I'll bring the teaching to a close from that. I'm teaching you Jesus' passion to save. His passion to save. See Romans chapter number 10 from verse number 1. This was a letter or an epistle written by Apostle Paul to the churches in Rome. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. To start with, you'll be wondering, Israelite, by election or selection of grace, by default, shouldn't they have been saved? <laughs> right? Shouldn't they have been saved? So, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge watch what it means by that now for they being ignorant of god's righteousness in other words they don't know what god's righteousness is about and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of god take it, hold on a second let me break that down a little for you what he was saying there is they have a zeal for god but not with the right knowledge they were still thinking, living that, believing that righteousness would mean, righteousness would be as a result of what a man does. So, that's where some people who've not accepted the logic of Jesus, those ones who call themselves moralists, claim that because they have no negative, bad intent in their heart against a fellow human being, that they will make heaven. You cannot make heaven see you don't go to heaven you don't you don't you don't make heaven by doing good you make heaven by accepting the lordship of jesus then when you accept the lordship of jesus doing good becomes a default part of you did you catch that did you catch that so when you accept the lordship of jesus um, see morality is not going to get you saved We are not saved because we are, we are, we are, we are are morals. Jesus didn't save me because I did good to minister to me. No. Bible says, for by grace, ye have been saved through faith. Ephesians from chapter number two. He says, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, it's the UK. You did nothing good to have earned the salvation and the assurance of, of being redeemed that you have. The assurance of heaven that you have. We did nothing. did nothing i did nothing to merit it someone called jesus god himself just took a look at me and took the fall for my sake in that while we were yet seen as christ loved us and gave himself up for us all so then go back to that scripture so righteousness then for this for i mean according to this letter paul was saying you don't get righteous by being moral. You don't get righteous by being Mr. Nice Guy. You don't become righteous by being Mr. Nice w- Mr. Nice Woman. No, you don't become righteous that way. It's for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. One of the dangers of being righteous, or or what righteousness in this sense does, is that. It causes the person to carry the cloak of pride. That's the reason why a supposed believer who did nothing to become righteous before God because they do not kill, but they fornicate. They feel that the murderer is worse than them. Amen. 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 You don't drink you are not addicted to any substance or drugs or you don't take alcohol but you lie like there is no tomorrow then you feel when you when you walk downtown when you go downtown and you see them you know with their with their drugs in their hands and the and the bottles of gin in their hands you look at them condemned that's the cloak of righteousness if you understand what righteousness is you would be pity you know have pity on them because you would reckon your life was once like that Before Christ came into the picture. You may not have been drunk, but there was no one who was born holy. No one was born saved. No one, no one, no one. No one is born holy. No one is born saved. No one is born redeemed. So at some point in our lives, we were without hope. We were hopeless. We were full of sin. We were full of iniquity. Yet Jesus thought to die for us. So these guys, they are, they are, they are trying to check me to what righteousness is, and trying to be good, to be kind. And elevate, please display that scripture, please, and split the screen if you need to, you know, take it off. You know, and they are taking that, you know, to then mean that I'm righteous because I'm being good. But Paul is saying they have the zeal, but not with the right knowledge. They want to do the will of God, they want to please the Lord, but they lack understanding. This is still the state of so many believers across the world to date. Let's move on. For, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To who? To everyone who believes. Christ is what? The end of the law for Righteousness for everyone who believes so that law that says that you must be this you must be this you must be this you must be be that that law that talks about righteousness that law that gives you the capacity to weigh who is righteous and who is not righteous Paul is saying Jesus is the end of that law meaning that we no longer judge a man righteous by what they do and what they are not doing give me the next verse for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law the man who does these things shall live by them, six but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, look at the righteousness, the way the righteousness of faith speaks, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead look at it, but what does this say the righteousness of faith He says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. This is what it means to be righteous. That the word, go back to it please. That the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Which one? That is the word of faith which we preach. Hold on a second. Take a look at a colon there. I'll explain to you when you are stored in the bible there is no mechanical accuracy that is there as an error your understanding of english the lexicon the mechanical accuracies and all has a lot to do with the way you comprehend the reading of the bible if you do not understand when to pause when to you know use semicolon you know understand what what colon does and all of all those things you will miss it so now the next um verse explains further everything here see what that next verse is this is righteousness church see after me this is righteousness that if you confess with your mouth is passion to save that if you confess with your mouth not meditate in your heart you know how some of you sometimes when we're praying and asking those who want to accept the Lordship of Jesus to get up. You know you're not saved. You've never openly confessed Jesus as your Lord. Then you begin, "Mm, mm, 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 mm." no, you're not saved. Paul is saying, you've got to confess with your mouth that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what's going to happen to you? You will be saved so what makes a man righteous is not what a man does these are some of the things that Jesus came to correct that was why they could say to him that it shouldn't have gone into a taxpayer's house because the taxpayer was not holy Jesus presence on earth was not to abolish the law that's the you know the Ten Commandments and all of all those is no. It was to sum up the law in one thing, which is what? Love. Which is love. So, this was where, I many of you have heard, you know, sometimes people when they, and I'll be bringing the teaching to a close now, sometimes people when they, you know, I don't know, maybe I should say tired of God or trying to justify a sin, then they go, they quote um they go ahead and they quote, After all, our righteousness is like a fifth rag. How I many of you have heard that? It, it's powdered ash. You know, um, nobody holy pass, so nobody holy pass. Are you trying to be right? After all, our righteousness is like a filthy rag. In you know other words, we are not worthy of the Lord. If I were not worthy of the Lord, Jesus wouldn't have about to die. Shout out. Did you catch that? If I were not worthy, Jesus would. He died that I may become worthy. He died so I may become worthy. He's the reason why I can lift my hands up unto heaven. And I can declare. I cry, Abba, Father. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be. I cry, Abba Father. Yeah. I cry, Abba Father. Hallow, Hallow be. and be your name, O oh God. Hallow and be your name. Take it one more time and make sure you're crying from your heart. I cry, Abba Father. Cry, Abba Father. Hallow be your so you know stop that every time you're going to church you're going to church every time you are giving you are giving your righteousness is like a few rag invite them to lofty heights they must have been attending a place where the word of the lord is not taught You hear me now? You hear me now? So your righteousness, the righteousness that you have in Christ, it's not like a filthy rag. No, 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 no. Moses could have carried the righteousness, you know, that is like a filthy rag. But Jesus came to shred that rag. Jesus came to do what? He came to shred that rag. So no believer should ever say, you know, your righteousness is like a filthy rag. No. No, that's that's not that's not that's not right for a New Testament believer the ones who lived before Jesus died before Jesus walked on earth and Jesus died they could say that but no you are not because right now your righteousness I'm righteous not because I'm moral not because I'm kind not because I'm good I'm righteous because I confess to Jesus as my Lord and I have faith in him that is indeed God that's what makes me righteous you saw it jesus came romans chapter number 10 from verse number one jesus came to abolish the righteousness of law jesus is the end of the righteousness of law so what am i speaking this speaks of freedom so no believer should ever be found be bound hey no 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 you should not be walking in condemnation you know, some of you who think that the reason why um, your life is going the way it's going, it's because of some things you did in the past. You know, God has just not forgiven me. You know, that's why He's punishing me now. But I will suffer it out. You don't attend this church. Hallelujah! You hear me now? So you think that because of the things that you did, proud to come into Christ? is the reason why you're suffering then you think about it reason up. so does that mean Jesus died in vain think about it isn't it joy to knowing that your righteousness is of the faith and not of works so I'm not trying to do good. You hear me, ma'am? You're not trying to be nice. You're not trying to show kindness, my brother. By default, because of the one who is in you, the spirit of the Lord, capacity to do good is natural. (laughs) Celebrate, Jesus, come So, So when I go out and I'm saying, hey, I celebrate, oh, God bless, oh, you need help. You know, there have been people who have accused me you know, of the way I show concerns to people. Because they think it's a decoy. Jesus went about doing good. The default setting of every New Testament believer should be doing good. So kingdom influencers, a new week begins, beginning from today. You'll be going out again from tomorrow. Going to your offices, going to places of work, going everywhere. And everywhere you are going, Jesus' passion should be your passion his passion to save should be your passion to save don't forget you see this entire teaching series it's going to lead us into another teaching series about the kingdom how you can carry the kingdom of the lord on your head like someone selling gala in traffic jam okay you you don't understand that okay so let me let me use an example you'll understand like someone in Timothy selling farmer's wrap hallelujah glory to Jesus be part of the father's business it's such freedom there is no christian there is no new testament believer who is bound because the devil's lost the capacity to keep anyone bound that's the reason why we joy with faith with hope i can rise. i can confess did you notice that in this church every sunday services we make confessions We make confessions, we make confessions. The more you speak it, the more you act it, the more you become it. The more you speak it, the more you act it, the more you become it. If you're not speaking it, if you're not acting it, you can never become it. It's not working. You have the capacity to command it to work. Why? You are righteous. Do you also know that the only thing needed for anyone to receive anything from the Lord is only to be righteous do you know do you know that do you know that that's the reason why in those days they kill ram goats to cleanse them from sins and make them righteous but one came went into the holies of holies once the bible says i'm for all and that's the end it doesn't matter how sinless that person is there is no need for anybody to die again you see, those of you who are singles, you know, your guy or your babe will be telling you, you know, I'll die for you, I'll die for you. It's a lie. It's not Jesus. If he died for you, it is in vain because the death cannot do anything for you. Hallelujah. Rise up on your feet this morning if you are blessed. Come on, rise up on your feet and celebrate Jesus. So now you're going out. Remember, you are righteous. See, after me, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm born of God. I'm born of God. See, I'm not trying to be good. I'm not trying to be a good girl. I'm not trying to be a good guy. I'm not trying to be nice. I'm not trying to be kind. Being kind, being nice, being good is a default setting in me because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So I do good always. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you receive that word this morning, celebrate Jesus. Come on, celebrate Jesus. If you're a righteous soul, celebrate Jesus. Have your seat in the Lord's presence this morning. A lofty heart, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. You read it. That if you confess with your mouth, you know that Jesus is Lord says, with the heart man believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Or maybe you've never done that before. This is your opportunity. All eyes closed and all eyes bowed. You've never opened, confessed Jesus as your Lord. This is your time. This is your time. See after me. Dear Father, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. Thank you for the salvation of my soul. Thank you for leading me to this church this morning. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died and that you rose. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are God. And I declare, I am redeemed. I declare, I am redeemed. I am saved. I am yours from this moment and even forevermore. There is no fear in me. There is no unrighteousness in me. The devil's got no power on me. The devil's got nothing on me because I've got everything on you in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. If you received that, would you celebrate Jesus this morning? We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms. At My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.